You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. I want to ask a question. Uh, I was you know, studying on the In His Image and uh, digging deep and looking for some resource and just kind of saturating myself. And I ran across uh, a lady, her name is Diane Spetchler, and uh, she put out on the internet uh, a way for women to respond anonymously uh, about their body image. Now stick with me here for a second. It says, uh, the author here, she recently launched a website where women could anonymously share how they feel about their bodies. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And so I kept on reading, and I'm in his image, and, uh, and so we're there. And here are some of the responses. These are ladies responding to this question, what about body image? And listen to what some of the ladies said. And, and this is interesting. It says, I hate everything about my body. I constantly compare myself to other women. I eat when I'm depressed, and then I get more depressed. Sometimes when I see a woman fatter than me, I'm glad she's making me look better. I'm sad. (laughs) I want to lock myself up until I'm thin again. I constantly compare myself to other women. Weight, skin, hair, clothes. More often than not, I find myself lacking in most areas. I continually base my worth on what other people look like. I don't know how I feel or how to feel comfortable in my own skin. Two more. I love food, uh, how it makes me feel. I hate food, how it makes me feel. Kind of both sides. Last one. I am incredibly jealous of all those people who eat whatever they want and never gain a pound. And I just want the ladies to know today that although these are gut-level, honest, and you may have thought some of these thoughts or other things that are similar, I want you to know what God's Word says about your image. And we've created something for you, and the guys in the back, there should be four guys. Uh, I want you to come, come forward, and I want all the ladies in the room, young and old, to stand right where you are. And I want to, you to ask the question, oh yeah, come on, stand up, stand up. What do you see, women, when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you look in the mirror? And we're going to go ahead and pass out these mirrors and attach to these. Um, yep, just go ahead. What do you see when you see when you look in these mirrors? And on the back side, attached to it, it's in his image, is the verse Genesis 127. 127. Um, it, this is what it says. It says, so God created humankind in his image. That includes women, amen? In his image. In his image. Say that with me. In his image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And this is what we'd like for you to do, ladies. When you look in the mirror, when you tuck this away and pull it out and get that final look, ooh, yeah, I'm looking fine, right? I want you to always remember, no matter what you feel, I want you to know that you are created 
in the image of God. Now, one assignment. You've got to put these away. If you flash me and, uh, and you get me <laughs> while I'm preaching, I'm coming after you. Okay, all right, all right. All right, all right. So everyone sit down. Let's give our women a hand. We love you guys. We thank you. It's fun to do a little giveaway. Hopefully that will help you remember that you are beautiful, you are loved, you are created. Let's say it one more time. In His image. Now, um, this, that, was the, that is the theme for this weekend. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has orchestrated this and He has helped us uh, to do this. But I want to admit right up front, this theme was not my idea. It was a team of ladies that were working behind the scenes that kind of created this. And so as I was preparing for this message, I, was, I felt like I was on assignment, like I had a, an assignment from a teacher and saying, all right, this is what you're going to preach on. And I was digging through scripture and I figured, well, this is a topical message and I'm used to more expository preaching. And I was getting on track and, and early on in the week and for the weeks before that, I had some ideas kind of brewing, but honestly, I was struggling to get really good traction. I was trying to keep it women-focused, and, and I, I wasn't really thinking about how does this in his image apply to me until this past Wednesday night. The staff and I, we were away at District Council in Lansing, uh, where the state comes together, about you know, several hundred pastors, and uh, that night, my mind was, uh, uh, you know, on, on, you know, the business at hand, and uh, I wasn't thinking about uh, this Sunday, uh, but our pastor that is over the entire district, Jeff Lavin, was preaching, and he came to a small point that may have taken 30 seconds or maybe even uh, just a minute to kind of get through, and he mentioned uh, something about King David's sin and his struggle in his sin. And I sat there, and it was like the light bulb started to go on, and I started thinking about my own struggle with sin, and when I sin, how I look at myself, and all these disconnected things where I couldn't have traction, or I was lacking traction, started to come into play, and I started thinking about in His image. And the theme came to my mind. And I was thinking how I beat myself up and how the devil takes a toll on my mind when I'm active in my sin and whatever that might be. If I you know, lose my temper or if I, if I you know, slip up here or there, whatever the case might be. And I'm thinking, how do I look at myself? And then I started thinking, and uh, you know, he's continuing to preach, and I'm going on, and in my mind, I'm saying, and I just really felt like I needed to share some of my story in regards to self-image and uh, my identity, and I wrestled with it a bit. I, I mentioned it to the guys uh, as we were coming home from Lansing, um, and we were driving in the van, and then on Thursday, uh, deep into it, and Friday, putting uh, some final touches, and just, I, I really believe that the Lord wants me to share part of my story. And seriously, I sense that the Holy Spirit is at work and wants to use it. And so if you bear with me, some of you have heard uh, parts of this story before, and uh, I, please forgive me, but I know we got a lot of people that never heard this. And, uh, and so I'll just start with my story uh, today. Is that okay? I grew up in a loving home. Uh, no question about it. Two sisters, I was sandwiched right in the middle. I'm like the cream in the Oreo. 
Yeah. <laughs> My dad worked for Ford Motor Company, and he drove a Hilo for 30 years and retired when he was 47 years old. Get your mind around that. He started when he was 17, 47. He walked the line 30 years. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And uh, I love my mom, and I guarantee I'll be calling her today, and uh, she looks forward to that, I hope, still. And, uh, but my mom was a stay-at-home, and uh, she stayed at home until we were well into our school years. And uh, I think I was in junior high, my uh, sister was still in elementary, um, but, uh, but mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I heard my dad say at one point in the years after we were kind of grown, and after he was done at Ford Motor Company, that he never made over $40,000 in a year. And I say that because, I mean, we were the typical blue-collar family. Uh, my family, we were the king and the queens of hand-me-downs, and we loved those. And I didn't know any different. I just thought that that's what everybody did. But hand-me-downs, and when, when our jeans would get holes in them, uh, we didn't just toss them out. We actually put patches, I remember, patches on my jeans and on my pants growing up, especially when I was a little younger. And, uh, and so I, I remember that. But I, I remember being confident. I remember being loved. I remember being well-adjusted and secure. And uh, just, I mean, it was a great upbringing, loved my family, and didn't know that anyone was any different than we were until sixth grade. Sixth grade, I signed up for the basketball team, and uh, it was not a school team, it was a rec league, and uh, you didn't have to try out, and so I made the team, and, uh, <laughs> and that was early on, I wasn't that great, but I was excited to play basketball, but I was even more excited that I got a new pair of shoes. It was 1986. In fact, these are the shoes that I, that I almost got. But my family couldn't afford these, if you can imagine. These were the hot Nikes there and the, the kind of the canvas, kind of a wraparound or whatever. And uh, those were the, the shoes that I really wanted. But, and I didn't really know any different. But we went to Kmart instead and bought knockoff shoes that looked like these shoes. And I showed up and I had new shoes for practice. And I'm thinking, I'm all that. I thought it was awesome until the guys on my team teased me about my shoes. And for the first time that I can remember in my life, I felt less than. And I had never experienced that before. I came home and my parents, they said, no, you're, I shared with them. I, I was you know, disturbed by it. And I'm like, man, you know, I don't want to wear these. And they, they made me wear them and they made me play out the season and it was one of those traumatic experiences in my life. You fast forward a couple years into junior high. Um, I got one name brand sweater. And, uh, and I was the kid, if you, and maybe you know someone like this, that I would wear that sweater two to three times a week. I would, I would have wore it every day because it was a name brand and it had the name brand label. And my mom would say, no, you can't wear it. You could go every other day. And I, and I wore it literally two to three times a week. At age 13, I started working. I started my first business venture, uh, mowing lawns. And uh, I started making money, and I was pretty motivated to do it uh, so I could buy the right jeans, the right shirt that had the right label. Uh, anybody in that age remember the Jerbo jeans? Yeah, I mean, those were expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, you remember. 
I, I saved up. I bought myself a pair. I had a, uh, some nice shirts, and, and, uh, and I did that, and it didn't matter what the cost because I was making pretty good money, and it made me feel good. But when it came to shoes, oh, man. I could not let myself buy an off-brand name of shoes from that point forward. And not only just a name brand shoe, I needed top of the line, the most expensive, because I was going to make a statement with what I was wearing. And it affected me. And I, I look back, and it, and it affected me more than I realized until I was doing some work a couple, uh, well, about nine years ago now with a counselor. And I th- just thinking about my upbringing, and especially about my shoes, I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. Why do I feel like I have to buy a pair of $200 pair of shoes instead of a pair of $80 shoes or a $40 pair of shoes? Why am I the way that I am? And I had this identity crisis, and it was serious. And the Lord started working in me. The light started going on. My image was, had been wounded from 22 years earlier, and I was just realizing it in my early 30s. I had been tainted. I had been discounted, or at least in my mind I was. And the word that really resonated as I was thinking about this story is that I, my mind, my image was distorted. And I was talking about it with the guys on, on Thursday, and I pulled them in my office and kind of told them what I was wanting to do. And, and uh, Pastor Bobby said, it's kind of like those caricatures that are at the carnival, right? And uh, where, where the guys got no hair, and they really exaggerate that. And his ears were kind of big, and man, they really exaggerate that. And, and in my life, it was kind of like I felt this way inside, and I just, it was all exaggerated in my life. Or like the kid with the glasses, oh yeah, look at that. Like his gla- he's got glasses, but man, they're big. Or his hair is extra, you know, whatever. And chin is pointy, those types of things. And then I was thinking to my own, does this distorted image is also like those carnival mirrors where you kind of step in front of it and it, it makes the, the skinny person fat or the tall person short or the larger person feel skinny, right? And, and then I realized that this is exactly, this type of thing is what the enemy does to each and every one of us in different ways. There's two points to the message this morning. The first is this, that the devil distorts our image. It's true. The devil, he hates us, and he will distort our image. You say, how does he do that? The first way he does that is he attacks our minds. At Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, right at the very beginning of time, this is not new. It's always been this way. He came to Eve in Genesis 3, 1 and said, Did God really say not to touch the tree? not to eat the fruit, right? And he's starting to mess with her mind. And if you turn with me to a couple places, the first place is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there's a few verses I want to kind of highlight. You might want to highlight them in your, in your Bible in regards to how the devil distorts our image. Let's look at it. Verse 4, it says, The God of this age, that's the devil, that's the enemy, he has blinded the minds of unbelievers and he is blinded i would say even believers he blinds us he plays mind games with us he he will uh, he'll say he'll say things to you god is holding back kind of like he did with eve god is not giving you everything that you deserve or on the other side he's saying you are a terrible christian he's playing mind games with you or you're behind in your soap your your bible reading you might as well give up 
Or he gets us to self-talk and kind of have this idea where we're judging ourselves by external things. He'll put negative comments from others into our mind. Uh, I was thinking about it um, back when I was uh, a little bit younger. Um, I used to love to sing and just to just sing loud for all to hear. And I still kind of like that. I'm more of a whistleist now. And uh, if you ever want to hear me whistle, I'd be happy to, to do that. And I'm not talking like, like, well, I can't even whistle now. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, like whistle along with the song. In fact, when the Spirit's really moving, there are times, Pastor Bobby, he can attest, he can hear me whistling. He told me once, he's like, Pastor, I can hear you whistling. I'm not sure that's what you should be doing. I appreciate that. But I will whistle. Uh, I, I say I whistle in the spirit. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but, but someone told me when I was younger, uh, you know, hey, you know, you're singing too loud. And for a long, long time, uh, I sang, all, I, I would sing like under my breath at church because I didn't want my friends to hear me sing because someone made fun of me. It's it just that negative comment, you know, it, and just all of those things. Maybe you were picked last on a team, and then you're like, man, I'm never showing up again. I don't ever want to play dodgeball again. And uh, you're scarred. There's wounds, and uh, they can happen, and they can last for years, and it happens everywhere. Is anybody with me? Can you kind of get your mind around this idea that the enemy he hates us, he distorts us, and he attacks our mind? At district council, a young lady uh, uh, spoke a spoken word, and she talked about a birthmark over her eye that uh, really was a moving story, and uh, it was it was interesting how that affected her and uh, how she looked at herself. Uh, for some of you, it might, be a, might have been a bad haircut when you were a kid, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I, you know, your bangs were cut. They should have been here. They were up here. And uh, you're saying, I will never have bangs again. And I mean, that's not the guys. I'm talking to the women now, right? And, or that kind of thing. Or maybe you gained some weight. And you needed some larger clothes, couldn't afford them. And, uh, and it, it just, and again, whatever the case might be, listen, listen, the enemy he plays with our minds. The bottom line, 1 Peter 5, 8, if you look that up, it talks about the devil roaming, or, uh, roaming the earth. It says, be alert and sober. Uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We believe the lies of the enemy. We are it's distorted and we walk around wounded. It happens to all of us. Our confidence is destroyed. Where we once were well-adjusted, now we're feeling like we're not enough. Has anyone ever been there? The devil attacks our minds. He also not only attacks our minds, he also attacks our hearts. And, uh, and it's, this is not a new problem at, at all. In uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, uh, it's, this was what lead, led to the flood where God destroyed all humankind. But look what it says. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of human hearts was only evil all the time. It really gets at our sin nature. You don't have to teach your kids to sin. No one had to teach you how to sin. It came natural because we we're born that way, and that's okay. But listen, when our sin nature takes over, it starts in the heart of men. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, kind of gets a, a, to this idea. It says, the heart 
is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That's where sin originates, right deep down. It says, who can understand it? Jesus was trying to explain it uh, in Mark chapter 7. If you turn with me there, in fact, I, I want you to turn me with me there. And I forgot to update my notes. I wanted to go 20 to 23. I think we just got 21 through 22. Bear with me. Look at verse 20 if you have it there. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. Jesus is talking. says, he went on. What comes out of the person is what defiles him. So what comes down, out from the inside for it is from within, everyone say within, out of a person's heart that the evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And then look what verse 23 says. All these evils come from inside and they defile a person. The enemy... He attacks us right at the heart of, matter, of the matter. That's where sin originates, from deep down. And you might read verses like this and think, man, that's doom and gloom. And I would just say, no. You may say, man, that's messed up. I, I'd just rather give up, right? I'll never get traction. The enemy, he's, just, he's playing with our heart. He's playing with our minds. And I want to say this, that even though the devil does distort our image and he attacks our mind and our heart there is good news and that leads me to my second point and that is that jesus redeems what the enemy has distorted i'm not sure you're excited enough about that let me say that again and let's give a little uh, uh like pastor bruce said i you know, talk back, right? Uh, yeah, what did you say when you're preaching? You like to hear? Dialogue. It's a dialogue. That's what it, yeah, it's a dialogue. So let me read this point, and let's have a little dialogue here for a second. Jesus redeems what the enemy has distorted. Oh, oh yeah, all right, okay, all right. All right, that's good. All right, so next time I say it, I'm not going to prompt you and just continue to talk back maybe a little bit. And we're talking about identity. We're talking about self-image here. And I was really drawn to Colossians chapter 3. And there's a, a 14 verses here that I want to walk us through that kind of talk about our identity and talk about our self-image. And it kind of brings us back to this point that we are created in the image of God. Let's start in verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, so set your heart, on things above. I want you to circle or highlight the word heart right there. It says, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds. There's a second one. Circle that, highlight it. Hearts and minds on things above, not on earthly things. We should not be so concerned about earthly things. Instead, our heart and our minds should be fixed on the things above, on heavenly things, on godly things. Why? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appeared, then you also, you also will appear with him in glory. And then it goes on and it talks about our sin and it talks about that we need to put, kind of suppress these things, put these things away, put these things to death. Verse 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, 
impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Similar list to what we just read in, uh, in Mark. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But look at verse 8. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as anger, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self and its practices. you got to take, take off the old. In verse 10, and have put on the new self, the new image, the new understanding, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. When we get a glimpse of this idea that we are created in the image of God, that God, he gives us a new image. We are new, a new creation. The old is gone, the new is there. It's powerful. It says here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Christ is in you if you've accepted Christ. It says, therefore, because of this, as God's chosen people, God chose you, men and women, young and old. He has plucked, you know, he plucked you out and he has, he has given you. It says you are holy and dearly loved. And because of that, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if there's any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Everyone say love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. I love this set, section of verses. It speaks to the fact that Jesus has redeemed what the enemy has distorted. You missed it. Remember, we're talking back. It deals with our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. I want to just flip over to Philippians, just a couple pages back. Philippians chapter 4. This is Paul at the end of his letter to the Philippian church, and he's kind of wrapping up his thoughts, and, and uh, he says this in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. He says, look, these are the things that your mind should be filled with. This is so important. Whatever is, uh, all these good things, right? says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And we can follow Paul just like we follow Christ, right? And the God of peace will be with you. And I love that. That God, he gives us peace. If you go back to verse 7, it says, In the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, what will it guard? It will guard your heart, that's where sin originates, and your mind in Christ Jesus. When we fill ourselves with the right things, when we talk to ourselves as if God is speaking to us, he, he helps us understand who we are. And it gives us peace. And look at it again. In the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your heart, the sin that is so easily comes up inside of each of us, and your mind, the way you think, or the way others think about you, the, your perception. It will 
protect it all in Christ Jesus. That is good news. I love it. Jesus redeems what the enemy has distorted. Amen. 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 (coughs) Excuse me. Amen. I love it. And God, he wants you to know that deeply. One more verse, and then we're going to wrap it up. Romans 12, verse 2. Popular verse. How do you do this? How, how, you, how do you redeem, or how do you fill your mind with good things? You fill it with the Word of God. I love what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the washing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to leave that verse up there for a moment and uh, just let that sink in for a moment as we consider our own lives and the way we think about ourselves. When we ask our questions like, am I really accepted the way that I am in my family or in my church or in my neighborhood or at school or at work? Am I okay just being me? Or am I doing enough to make God happy? Or am I doing enough to make others happy? And, you know, I got caught up in that for a lot of years, this performance base, like I had to be something for someone else. And God, he put the brakes on and said, no, you're my child. You be you. And I realized a few years back that you cannot be everything to everybody and that was liberating. And uh, Matt, we've talked about that uh, a lot. Or maybe you can see yourself, and maybe you've been here, or maybe you are here, where you beat yourself up over and over, over different things. You try harder, or you try to do more, and the word of the Lord is stop. You don't have to be anything that you're not. We need to remind ourselves what the Word of God says. Now, the ladies have it there, Genesis 1.27, right? It says we are created in the image of God. We are created male and female. He created us. We are His workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. We are His, He has crafted us and made us beautiful. Our very nature is the nature of God. Our essence Our identity has to be wrapped up in who God is. And there's a tool that I've used over the past several years. It's a tool my grandma gave me. And we've given this out a few times over the last few years. But I couldn't, it just is a perfect fit. And for some, you may have lost it. For others, you may still have it. But here's a fresh copy. We're going to give it to you on your way out. And what it is, it's a document that is called The Stand. It's a one-page document that in a creative, artistic way describes what the Word of God says about you. How it describes you, the reality of your stand with the Father. Your standing with Jesus. And I want to read a few of these things, and I won't read them all, but it's things like this. I am a new creation. I am the apple of his eye. I am beloved. I am 
chosen. I can do all things through Christ. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am declared holy. I am gifted. And the list goes on and on. These, each of these are linked to a verse in Scripture that talks about your stand, your, your ability to, to understand who God has created you to be. And I'll tell you, I've got this up in my office. And uh, many, many times as I'm doing my devotions, it's right there in my line of sight. And I'll be walking, pacing, praying back and forth, and I'll read some of these things. And some of the smaller ones at times will jump out to me. Uh, one that uh, jumped out to me, it says, I am protected, purified, raised with Christ in resurrection light. And a few weeks ago, I was reading that, and I kind of got honed in on that one in particular, how I was protected, and that God was protecting not only me, but he was protecting my family with some things that we were dealing with. And it's a, it's a great tool. And what it is, it, it helps us to understand how we should look at ourselves, but also how we should look at our brothers and sisters in the Lord and those around us. And so it's kind of twofold. And this morning, I want to give this as a gift again. When you leave, we'll have a copy for each of you. But as we wrap up, there's one topic when it comes to this idea of image that has got to be discussed. The young lady that talked about the uh, birthmark over her eyebrow talked about this at district council this last week. And it's the reality that we live with social media. And social media has so many benefits. And uh, probably there's not a person in here that's not affected in some way, in a positive way. But we have to realize that social media is a double-edged sword. If it cuts positive one way, it certainly cuts negative the opposite way. And we just need to be aware of that. And I just want to say you need to be careful with what you post and why you post it. You need to be careful with when you're looking at others that are posting and not to compare, not to judge yourself against someone else because that is a downward spiral for sure. You need to go back to the truth of God's word. What does God think about you? And this morning, I believe that God wants to get, give you a revelation, a new revelation of how much he absolutely adores each and every one of us, male and female. He created us. I was thinking about it. I created a piece of furniture that's actually in Reagan's room. And to the man's eye, it's ugly. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's, it was not pretty. I'm not a craftsman, but it's mine. I created it. And I don't know if you'll take it to school or not. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. It's not going to the curb anytime soon. <laughs> because I created it with my hands, and there's not a whole lot of things. I'm not, that's not like me, and so that, that, that was pretty important. And my dad, I remember help, helping with fun. But God, when he looked at you, he's not wanting to, send you out to the curb either. 
But sometimes we feel that way, and I get it. So we want to pray here in just a moment uh, that to help us to get a good mindset. And God, he will help us in these ways. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I just pray as we wrap up the service here in the next couple moments that you would speak to our hearts. And where we've struggled, where we've uh, lacked confidence, I pray that the Holy Spirit would renew a right understanding of our stand with you of who you've created us to be. And on this great weekend where we're honoring the women in our lives, young and old, God, I pray that each of us would get an understanding of how great we are in your eyes, that you created us, you helped us, you shaped us, you molded us, and you've given us, you breathed purpose into us. Lord, we thank you for that. And God, we give you the praise, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Before you open up your eyes, I w- just with your head bowed and eyes closed here this morning, I want to just address the truth of God's word that, uh, that the Lord, he died for you on a cross so you could receive forgiveness. It's an incredible story. Uh, Jesus, he gave it all. He laid it all out for you and he did it uh, so that you could spend an eternity with him. But the way that happens is my understanding of Scripture is that God, He gives us the opportunity. He's drawing us, and He's doing that this morning with some that are here, I believe. But we have to respond. We have to receive that salvation. And we do that by believing and confessing Jesus is Lord. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, boy, I need to do that. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender. I need to accept Jesus, receive him. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. Who here, first service, is the Lord drawing? Is the Lord uh, searching your heart? Maybe you served God at one time, and it's the time to come back. Mother's Day 2018. Just slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you or even call you out, but I want to pray. Who here, first service, anyone at all, just give you another moment. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. A couple ladies. Yeah, on the, my left, one more on the right. Thank you. Yes. Who else? There's three. Is there any more that, that God is calling, saying, man, I need to restore what, what I used to have, or I need to come back, or maybe I've never accepted Christ, anyone at all. There's three here, and for the sake of the three, would you just repeat this prayer? It's not that this prayer is magical in itself, but if you believe what you're about to say, the truth of it is that God will take your sin as far as the east is from the west. He will forgive you. He will sanctify you. He will set you free. And when he looks at you, he looks as if looks at you as if you've never sinned. It's incredible. We don't deserve it, but that's what he does. So would you repeat this after me? And and let's all do this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, for the sin in my life. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave. You provided a way for me to find you. And this morning, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please come into my life. Take away my sin. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said,
Amen and amen. Let's stand and let's rejoice with the three. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody all across this place, stand. We're going to close in a unique way. On your way out, you're going to grab one of these. But before we go, I want... Actually, I wasn't supposed to have you stand. Have a seat. <laughs> I've flipped it I've, in my mind. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start to just read random things off of this list. And you can stand on the first one if it really is impactful, but I want you to listen for one that you're like, ooh, I needed to hear that. And then I want you to stand. And then once we're all standing, then we'll, I'll pray a prayer benediction, okay? All right? And, uh, and then we'll open up the doors and you can leave. And so, so uh, I'm just going to read these. I'll read them kind of slow. And uh, when one, you're like, oh, I needed to hear that. And it can be on the first one, okay? In fact, Jonathan, you stand on the first one. Just to, you don't have to. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Okay. So here we go. I am a shining star. I am a son of God, a son of light. I am transformed, a vessel of glory, a vessel of honor. Someone's going to like this. I walk by faith. I am absolutely worthy of the Lord. I am given all things. I have bold access to the throne of God. Oh, you're like this. Everything works in my favor. Oh, I like that. I am the habitation of God. I am of sound mind. I am of, diff I am of a different people. The people of God, the pillar of God. I am sanctified. I'm going to give you a couple more, and then we're just going to have you all stand. But uh, no, here we go. It's time to go. All right. I am a chosen generation. Oh, you're going to love this. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I am part of the bride. Oh, we got a marriage going on this week over here. I love that. Anybody else? One more. One more. Here we go. Last one. You got to stand on this one. I am highly favored. And Lord, with that, we celebrate who we are in Christ. Lord, we needed to hear this. And God, I pray as we go and as we take this, and Lord, as we remind ourselves, and for the ladies that are here, they'll take their mirror, and when they look, they'll remind themselves, I am created in the image of God. Lord, I pray that this message would not soon be off of our minds, but Lord, you would touch our hearts where sin originates, and you would touch our mind where the devil wreaks havoc. And Lord, we surrender both of those to you. And so now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet one another as you leave this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.